Holy Ghost is so important to me. The Holy Spirit is is some is so important to me in my walk with the Lord. And so I remember as a young man that I came to the Lord, but the reality is I came and I backslid from him and, and I came and I came half-heartedly and haphazardly and, and, I, and I walked away from the Lord and I was in and out and in and out and in and out. But when the Lord baptized me in the Holy Ghost, he gave me the power to stay. And more than giving me the power to stay, He gave me a piece of himself inside of me. No longer was my life only my own, but all of a sudden I realized that there is something bigger than me that's dwelling with inside of me. And it's given me the power to to act right and talk right and be right. And so I'm going to live for him. And I'm telling you, my experience with with Pentecost and my experience with the Holy Ghost is is the the, the most important outside of salvation. I thank God for his blood that covered me but next to that the very next thing in line was the that he that he baptized me in the holy ghost and i got to tell somebody yes i spoke in tongues and i liked it i'd like to stand up and say my name's paul Tindall and i spoke in tongues Amen. I just want to have a moment in confession there. But God is good, and and it is so good to celebrate this day, Pentecost Sunday. Look at everybody and say happy Pentecost. Amen. I want to go to the scripture and uh, to the book of Acts chapter number 2. I want to welcome everybody that I look out and see that's a guest. We, we, we are excited to have you in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Excited to get to preach the gospel and sing about Jesus with you. And if you've come one time before, then you're not one of the guests I'm talking about because you're family. And, uh, and, and the others are guests, the ones who are here for the first time. But, no, if you, but, but next time you come, you're family. And so we just we appreciate you being in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Let's go to the scripture, Acts chapter 2. I want to forewarn everyone. My wife said, now you know you can't preach out of Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Sunday. I said, I will have you know for the rest of my life on Pentecost Sunday, I will be talking about Acts chapter 2. So just get ready because every year following, I want you guys to know, put it in your, uh, your calendar next year, that pastor will be preaching on Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Sunday, 2020. 20 if the Lord tarries. Now, I may not use that as my subject text every time, but I promise you, well, you can't talk about Pentecost without talking about Acts chapter 2. Today, it is my subject text. I want to, I want to read from chapter 2 of the book of Acts, verse number 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come, everybody say fully come. They were with one accord. I, I, one translation says they were in one accord, but we know that there was too many of them to fit in a Honda. So, that, so this translation says that with, they were with one accord. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. There came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Amen. They were. I want to tell you something right here that many people pass over. They were sitting when they received the Holy Ghost. I just want to point that out there. You don't have to be the posture for receiving the Holy Ghost does not have to be standing up or face down in the floor. They were sitting in a room all gathered together just tarrying, waiting on the Lord and all of a sudden a rushing mighty wind came in. I want to tell you this too. I'm glad they were probably sitting down because if not they would have probably all been knocked down and it would have been like a bunch of dominoes in that upper room that day. But it says that filled the house where they were sitting 
And then there appeared to them divided tongues. I, I like the King James says, cloven tongues as of fire. And one set upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to go back real quick and, and read that verse number 3 again. It's not got anything to do with my, with my material today. I just like reading it, okay? Verse number 3 says, And there appeared unto them, everybody say, cloven tongues. I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, divided tongues, and then everybody say, as of fire. No, you got to say it like you're Pentecostal. As of fire. Amen. And, and, it, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began. And then now look here. And they began to speak with other tongues. Everybody say, other tongues. I've got to make I've got to I got to make this reference known to you today that many people will tell you that on the day of Pentecost there set upon them the ability to speak in a language because you'll read further on that the people were coming from all over the place and when they heard them speak they were hearing it in their own language they were able to translate or hear a language they were able to supernaturally gain a language and there are many people that that would say to you today there are many bible scholars that would tell you today, uh, and I hesitate to use that word Bible scholars because to me it's so clearly different, but they would tell you today that on the day of Pentecost, what, what fell on them was the ability to speak a different language, a foreign language that was not known to them, but I've come to tell you today that there is a difference in this scripture reference to between other tongues and d- divided tongues, cloven tongues as a fire. I've come to tell you the prayer language of heaven is cloven tongues as a fire. And other tongues is other languages of the world. So I need you to see that difference right there. Don't let someone give, feed you false doctrine and tell you that that was only a different language. And it says that they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men, Jews, from every nation under the heavens. And when this, uh, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language and then they were all amazed and marveled saying to one to another look are these not all Galileans and how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born the the Parthians the Medes the Elamites those who dwelling in Mesopotamia Judea uh, Cappadocia Pontus I'm, I'm getting I gotta slow down in Asia Phrygia uh, sorry Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, uh, visitors from Rome, both Jew and proselyte, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we, we hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. Now, what were they speaking? The wonderful works of God. Thank you. I'm sorry. There won't be a test. Uh, they were speaking the wonderful word. They not only heard them in their own language, but they were speaking of the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed, and that yet they were perplexed, saying one to another, Who, whatever could this mean in others? Now listen, there's always others. Look at your neighbor and tell them there's always others. Others were mocking and said, these are full of new wine. These guys are drunk. 
But Peter, being uh, standing up among the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you, heed my word, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see vision. Your old men will dreams dreams and my on my uh, man servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out my spirit in those days says the Lord and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath blood fire vapor and smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be Saved, Amen. Let's let's pray. I could keep reading. I just like the day of Pentecost. I want to keep. I, I want to pray though and get into the Word of God today. Father, I pray right now. I want I want everybody in the room to just stretch your hands toward me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would anoint me for your Word. God, make me speak the oracles of God today more than ever before. God, it's it's important to me to say what you would have me say under the anointing. Lord, let the anointing be dripping off of every word, God, so that when I speak, Lord, it pierces the heart. It pierces the heart of the unbeliever. It pierces the heart of the believer. And it provokes them to change, God. Let the Word stir us up. Cause us to be uh, mindful and cause us to be motivated to change today. Lord, we ask you to fill us all with the Holy Ghost afresh and anew today. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. And amen, I want to preach to you for just a, a, an hour and a half or three hours on the subject of, I'm, I, I used to, you know, every week I get up here and say, I just want to preach to you for a few minutes. And I realize that I lie, and, I, and I've been going to the altar a lot for that. So I'm going to not do that anymore. Um, and I'm working, God's working that out in me. But I want to preach to you about the subject of what is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Amen. Is that a valid question today? Because, you know, many of us have our idea of what Pentecost is. If, if I were to ask you around the room, what is Pentecost? It's almost like it would be up for debate. I can tell you what Pentecost is to me, and you can tell me what Pentecost is to you. I'm sorry, y'all. I feel like I'm preaching over there today. I'm coming over here to you, and you guys, and, and I'm going to spit in this direction for a few minutes. Um, but we could ask ourselves the question, what is Pentecost? And this morning, I want to do my very best to answer that question so that when we walk out of this place, whether you walked in and you were Pentecostal or not, I want you to walk out of this place and say, I know what Pentecost is. And I want more than that, I really want everybody to walk out of this same place saying, I am Pentecostal today. I've, I, I came, I found, I learned, and I, 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 I got it. And then I went. Amen. Um, but but we ask this question, what is Pentecost? And, and, and I want to just start by looking right back at the beginning of the text. It says, and, the, and, and, and this is really just one piece of the focus this morning. But it says in, in chapter number two, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And when the day of Pentecost, everybody say fully come. You know, I love that, pe that word, that verbiage right there because it, it tells us something, that there, is a, there was a predestined moment because it said when the day of Pentecost was 
fully come. When It wasn't halfway come. It wasn't almost there. It wasn't we were working on our way to Pentecost. It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Uh, there's other scriptures where it says in the fullness of time. Or it came to pass. Or when, uh, when, when, it, when, in the, when the time was fulfilled. It, it, the scripture gives us these references. And they are always points of references to let us know that God preordained, destined something to happen at that moment. And I don't know about you, why is that important to you today? But the reason it's important to me today is because I know that my God has some predestined appointments for my life. And I don't want to miss out on any one of them. And so what I want to tell you today is the day of Pentecost has fully come to this church in Awakening Church of God in Springfield, Missouri in 2019. The day of Pentecost is fully come right now. And today could be a day of divine appointment for you. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, the day, the time when God had appointed, it was predestined, it was there. He, Jesus, had already come and fulfilled other feasts leading up to Pentecost. For just a moment, I want to get us, give us a little bit of a lesson in Hebrew and Jewish festivals and traditions. There are several festivals throughout the Jewish calendar that they celebrate. And I don't have the time to talk about all of them today, but I want you to understand something. God never does anything by asking. And I gotta, I gotta teach a minute before I can preach. Okay, I'm just gonna teach for just a little bit. But God never does anything by accident. Everything that He does is divine, and it's on purpose. And there's never, there's never a like. Well, I think I'll just choose to do it right here like this. No, he, God doesn't work that way. He sets things in order long before they begin to happen. So, so let me give you an example. When, when Moses, he, he, God spoke to Moses, said, "I'm going to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt." He said, "What I need you to do is I need you to take a lamb." and I I want you to bring it into your home and I want you to treat it nice and fatten it up and do all these things and then several days later I want you to to cut its throat I know this is graphic but I want you to take the the, the blood from that lamb and and I want you to put it upon the threshold cover, listen, cover your household with the blood of the lamb and then when the angel of death passes by it will pass over by and your children will be spared but anyone that does not have the covering of the blood over them the blood of the lamb on top of them then their house I will kill the firstborn child and so he went through and the angel of of death came over and it took all the Egyptians firstborn and it caused Pharaoh to let go of God's people and he sent them on and and it, it it put into effect the promise of God for the hour but God said to Moses he said I want you to institute this as a as a a feast, a holiday, because I want you to always remember that it was the blood of the lamb that that covered you from death. And it's still, I've come to tell you today that Jesus was the lamb. That's why we call him the lamb. The scripture says that he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Why does it say that? Because we brought him in. If you look, he came into Jerusalem a, a little bit before the Passover and they brought him in and everybody cried Hosanna and they waved their palm branches at him. And and they took him in like Moses told, instructed the people to bring a lamb in and treat it right. It played with the kids. Listen, the lamb was allowed to play. The kids could play with the lamb. They fed it well. They got it all ready. And then when Passover came, they killed the lamb. Isn't it funny how Jesus walked into Jerusalem and, and, and he, he was, they were waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, save us now. You are God. We recognize it. And then just a few short days later, they turn on him and they 
crucify him. Why? Because the blood needed to be put upon the lives of men and women. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Why is this important today? Because Jesus in doing so was the fulfillment of the feast of Passover. When Jesus was sitting around the, 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 at the Last Supper, we've all seen the painting, but when Jesus was sitting around at the Last Supper, uh, the, the illustration is this, that they were sitting around and they would, they would eat, and it's, it's, it's tradition that at the right hand of the, uh, at the table was the, uh, was, was the head of the house, was the oldest. And so we see Peter at his right hand, and then we see the youngest, John, at his left hand. And, and it's tradition, there's a feast that's also a part of the Jewish calendar called unleavened bread. And it's, it's, it happens simultaneously right there at the same time as Passover. And in that feast, they take unleavened bread, which just means bread without yeast in it. It doesn't rise, it's flat. It's flat bread, and, it, and the, the leaven represents sin. So they say no leaven, and, and they, they have this, this container that they put the bread in and they put they put three loaves of bread there's three like basically pieces of pita type of bread in the top the middle and the bottom but it's jewish tradition that at the feast of unleavened bread you go over to this to this container and and you reach in you don't grab the top piece of bread you don't grab the bottom piece of bread you grab the middle piece of bread why is that important because the three pieces of bread represent perfection there there's no sin in them and so they represent the father the son and the holy ghost but you don't go in and you don't take the father you don't take the holy ghost you grab a hold of the piece of bread that represents the sun and and then the, the the master of the feast will break that bread and he will he will take that bread and that's why we do communion jesus said break this bread it's my body he was being figurative but he was also being in a sense literal to the culture because he was saying i'm breaking this center piece of bread and he passed it around and then the the, the eldest would eat some of it and they would all partake of it and then listen this is jewish tradition that it would go around to the youngest person in the room and in the youngest one the, the youngest the youngest in the household would take that bread and he would hide it and and it's tradition that you just kind of hide it under your you sit on cushions so you hide it under your leg but but in today's culture some jewish families they'll literally take the bread away and the youngest will go and hide it afar off why? Because to, to them, this is the best feast of the year. It's better than any feast because if in wealthy families, they cannot finish the meal until that piece of bread is brought, bought back and brought forth into the, into the meal. And so the master of the meal will go through the motions of the meal and then he will say to the youngest, where is the, I need the bread back. And he has to buy the bread back. He has, and so the youngest will get great gifts. He'll, he'll get all this great stuff that could be given to him. Uh, and, and, and he, you know, bikes or cars, depending on how wealthy your family is. But it has to be bought back with a price. Now let me tell you something, how that, how that correlates. Because his body was broken for us and then it was taken and then it was placed in a borrowed place. It was, it was hidden away from for just a little bit, but then it was bought back with a price, the price of the blood. And then it comes back and it's restored to its rightful place. They put it right back in on this feast of unleavened bread. I said all that to say this. I'm teaching this morning that Jesus fulfilled the, fe the feast of the Passover because he was the Passover lamb. He fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread because he was the unleavened bread. Now, I know and many scholars will talk to you about how he fulfilled the feast of first fruits because the feast of first fruits is right there at the same time as 
the Passover as well. But but there's there's uh, there's two points of reference to first fruits. We're going to talk about them in a minute. But why why is that so important? I need you to understand something because God doesn't do anything by accident. I'm getting somewhere today and I'm going fast. Okay, but He fulfilled unleavened bread. He fulfilled the Passover. He is the first fruits as well, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But then He said, "Tarry in Jerusalem for not many days. Hence, I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to you." And now we know that Pentecost is Pentecost. It's a Greek word. It comes from the Greek word pente, and it means 50 days past the Passover. In Jewish tradition, the the Pentecost is not called Pentecost. It's called the Festival of Weeks because it is it is seven weeks after the Passover. It begins. You begin counting it down, and it's the Festival of Weeks, and then it's called the latter first fruits. There's the early first fruits and the latter first fruits. But but the Festival of Weeks. So we see Jesus is fulfilling the unleavened bread. He's fulfilling Passover. He fulfills first fruits. I didn't talk much about that. But 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 now he is going to fulfill the feast of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost. So when Pentecost had fully come, they were gathered together in one mind in one accord in an upper room and Jesus gave them the promise of the Father. Now let me I'm, I'm I want to get I want to get this out. It's not in my notes, but I need you to understand why this is so important. Because at Pentecost, and we're going to talk about that a lot more here in just a second, but at Pentecost, he gave us the power to be the church. And then how many of y'all, and I don't have this point of reference up, but how many of y'all know the scripture says that it's not four months and then the harvest. Look to the fields now. The fields are ripe. The, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Y'all recognize that scripture? Okay, so he says it's not four months and then the harvest. That's not a, that's not a by chance phrase either. Because after Pentecost, there is a four month period of harvesting that happens in the Jewish in Jewish tradition. And so at that end of that four months is the next feast. And I've come to tell you today the name of that next feast is called Rosh Hashanah. And that stands literally translates Feast of Trumpets. I've come to tell you God does not do anything by by chance. He gave he fulfilled all the fruit. He fulfilled all the feast. He fulfilled unleavened bread. He fulfilled first fruits. He fulfilled the Passover. He gave us the uh, Holy Ghost at Pentecost. And then he said, I'm going to give you a little while to reap the harvest. I'm going to give you a four-month, a figurative four-month span. But the next feast that Jesus fulfills, the next feast that God fulfills is the the feast of Rosh Hashanah when he says, Gabriel, tune up the trumpet because it's time to fulfill the feast of trumpets. I'm going to thrust my sickle into the land. I'm going to reap my children. I'm going to hear a sound from heaven. It's not going to be a rushing mighty wind. That was Pentecost. It's going to be the sound of Gabriel blowing the trumpet and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then those which are alive and remain are going to go be with him forevermore. Amen. I'm going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb the next thing. The trumpet's going to blow. God is not a by chance God. He's an on purpose God. Now let's get back to Pentecost. I just That's free. That's, nothing, that's not anything in my notes today. I want to get back to Pentecost. Why, is Pente- Why did the Holy Ghost come at Pentecost? Why? Why did the Holy Ghost come at Pentecost? How does the Feast of Weeks, how does 50 days past Passover mean that God was going to pour out His power upon the church, upon His people? How does that, how does that work? Well, according to Exodus 19, the Scripture says that the law was given 50 days past Passover. 
So, so Pentecost, first and foremost, is a celebration of the giving of the law. The Ten Commandments were written on Mount Sinai 50 days past Passover. You say, well, Paul, why is that, why is that important to us today? Why is that significant? For, for the, the answer to that, you need to turn to Jeremiah. Do you have Jeremiah in there, Brother Daniel? Jeremiah 31. I need you to get it for me. Jeremiah 31, 31. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Jeremiah 31, 31 if you want to. I need you to see this because this is why this is so important. Because in the, in the, at the Feast of Pentecost, while, while this was happening, while the upper room experience was happening, the reason there were devout men and Jews from all over the world gathered together was because it was the Feast of Pentecost. Why did they come together for the Feast of Pentecost? Because they were coming to celebrate the giving of the law. He said, behold, and, and, and so here's why this is important important because Jeremiah gives us a reference to this same day, this Pentecostal day that's about to happen. Y'all didn't know that Jeremiah prophesied about Pentecost, but he did. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, behold, the days are coming that says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, go to 32 and not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Now we just talked about that. He led them out of the land of Egypt and he gave them laws and he made a covenant. He said, no, I'm going to make a new covenant. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. And verse number 33 says, but in this covenant, the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it upon the tablets of their heart and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Keep going. I need you to read it. Now, no more will uh, shall every man teach his neighbor because I'm going to be their teacher. Now we don't listen. I'm, I'm coming to tell you the reason that God fulfilled by the Holy Ghost on Pentecost was because he didn't need to write the law on tablets of of stone anymore. He was going to write the law on the tablets of our heart. And more than that, he said, I'm not going to need man to teach you what the law is anymore. I'm going to put my Holy Ghost inside of you. And then I'm going to teach you. I'm going to put it on you. He said, for they will know me from the least to the greatest. I'm going to pour it out upon all flesh. And he says, the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins and I will remember them no more go on Daniel and thus says the Lord who gives the sun its light in the ordinance of the moon and the stars and for a light by night who disturbs the sea and waves and roar the Lord of hosts is his name if those ordinances depart from before me says the Lord then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation forever God was saying that on this day I'm not going to just let the law be on tablets anymore I've given you the new covenant which is the blood of Jesus, but I'm getting ready to seal it onto your hearts. Pentecost was the day when God took the law out of the stones and put them on our hearts. And he said, I'm going to put my Holy Ghost inside of you so that you don't need somebody to go into the Holy of Holies for you and make intercession. Before that time, they needed the high priest to go make atonement for their sins, but now they had a way to go into the Holy of Holies. Now they had a, they had a, a, a friend in Jesus and he was their advocate with the Father. He was was the one that was at the right hand of the Father making intercession for them. And now they could go through the power of the Holy Ghost into the Holy of Holies and have their petitions be made known to God. 
Amen. I don't need, listen, here's, here's, here's what this means to you today. It means you don't need a prophet to come and tell you a word of knowledge about your tomorrow. It means you don't need the preacher to stand up and even preach the word to tell you about your tomorrow. All you need because of the day of Pentecost, because of your Pentecost experience, all that you need is to have the Holy Ghost tell you about your tomorrow. It's written on your heart. I wish that some of you would understand, but because of the day of Pentecost, it's more than just time. It's more than just a language. It's more than even just the power of God. Because of Pentecost, God has written His laws on your heart and He will speak to you anytime you will listen. Hallelujah. Because of my Pentecostal experience. Everybody say that. Because of my Pentecostal experience, God put His Word on my heart. Now the second reason... I love this one. The second reason that we celebrate Pentecost and that Pentecost is so important and the symbolism of Pentecost is this. The Pentecost also represents what is known uh, by, by, in Jewish tradition as the latter first fruits. Now, I know if you were to read in the scripture, it tells you that first fruits, the beginning first fruits, is right there around the time of Passover. That's when Jews celebrate that holiday right now. But I've also come to tell you, matter of fact, I think I have it in Deuteronomy uh, 6. I want to I want to go there. Do you have that by chance, Daniel? I don't know if I had given you the full reference. Deuteronomy chapter 16 lays this out. Bear with me. You shall count, verse number 9, 16-9. You shall count seven weeks for yourself and begin to count seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle in the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord and your, tri- uh, your tribute as the Lord blesses you. I'm sorry, just bear with me one second. I'm sorry, this. I may have, I may have, I may have missed a point of reference that I want to show you in the scripture. I I do apologize for that because normally I would have had it laid out specifically in my notes. But it, but it says that after the, after the weeks, and, and I will get you the reference. Please see me after church. I will get you the reference. But, but the scripture says that at the end of the festival of the weeks, here's what happened in Jewish tradition that at toward toward the end of the festival of the weeks. So, so Passover marked the beginning of the barley harvest. But then there, there was a time of harvesting, and other, other, other grain was becoming ripe. And so as the farmers would look out in this, in, into their fields, and they would see the fruit ripening, they would go over to, to where they saw the fruit beginning to ripen the most. And this is so important. And they said they would attach a reed, they would tie the fruit to a reed, and cause that fruit to grow attached to that reed and then when the fruit went at the very moment that it became ripe they would cut that fruit down that was their that was the latter first fruits and they would cut that fruit down they would carry it on that reed and take it to the high priest because it was going to be their first fruit offering 
Now this, the, we, get, we, we, we label this the first, first fruits. In Jewish terms, it's called Shavuot. And they, they celebrate it at the end of the grain harvest. And what happens, and why is this important, is because in John chapter number 12, and I've got that marked too, you've got to see this. I'm sorry, I'm going back and forth in the scripture. But you really have to see this this morning because a lot of times I feel like we as the Pentecostal church, we talk about being Pentecostal, but we don't know really who we are and we don't understand the depth of why Pentecost is so important to us. And so in chapter number 12 of the book of John, he says that Jesus says this in chapter 12. 12 23 it says but jesus answered them and says he says the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified most assuredly i say unto you lest a seed a grain of wheat falls to the ground and it dies it remains alone but if it dies it produces much fruit now now that was jesus talking now isn't it funny we talk about we've preached about that lest the seed fall to the ground and die and we put it in first person perspective and that we know we are the seed or we have to put seed in the ground and it dies and it brings forth fruit but i want to point out something to you today jesus was just was just in the verse before that saying i have to be glorified he was talking about himself going to the cross at this moment and then he said lest a seed fall to the ground and die why is this so important because the farmer would go out and he would look at the first fruits that were coming forth and he would tie a reed to them he would tie them to a stick and then he would as soon as they were ripe he would cut them off and he would carry them and the seed would fall to the ground and the seed would become an offering of first fruits unto the lord the latter first fruits unto the lord so on the day of pentecost at the end of the festival of weeks there's this representation of of a saving uh, of a saving sacrifice that was fastened to a tree that was fastened to a stick do you guys see what i am pointing out to you today it's just like the same jesus that was fastened to a tree that was what that was caused to carry his cross up the hill golgotha and he said lest a seed fall to the ground and die it cannot bear much fruit but if it falls to the ground and dies it will bring forth much fruit i've come to tell you today that jesus was in while he was walking up Golgotha, he was beginning to fill fulfill the first fruits of the festival of weeks why because he was putting his seed in the ground when they buried him in the ground he was the seed that fell to the ground and died but how many of y'all know much about gardening if you know much about gardening then you know that your first fruits begin to come forth in about 50 days about two months you'll begin to see some fruit coming forth why is that important because jesus died right there at the passover and he put his dead seed in the ground but he didn't stay in the ground and on the feast of uh, of weeks on the feast of pentecost he said listen i'm about to change things the holy spirit was poured out on pentecost to be the first fruits of jesus christ in the earth i don't know if you're getting what i'm saying to you today but if you would understand this that he was the seed that died and then because the seed died in the ground it brought forth fruit on the day of Pentecost when it had fully come he said I'm about to bring forth my fruit into the earth let me explain it to you this way after they got filled with the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost Peter went out and he started talking to those same ones that were the mockers and the scoffers and he said I need you to understand something this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel and then those same ones
ones that were mocking and those same ones that were scoffing, they looked at him and they said, what must we do to be saved? And that day, the scripture says that there were 3,000 souls that were added to the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, God's first fruits was a harvest of 3,000 people. He was saying in the face of the scribes and the Pharisees, you thought you killed me? You thought you let, you let a seed fall to the ground? But he said, I couldn't do my mighty stuff unless I was a seed that fell to the ground and died. But now I'm going to bring forth my first fruits. Why is Pentecost so important? Because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost was given to the church for the power to win souls. For the power to win souls. We're here because we have the power to win the loss. And Peter, by his word, began to win the loss. He won 3,000 souls. Now, other than reflections and, and celebrating, reflecting on the past, I want, you to, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, what is Pentecost to you? Now, I gave you all that lesson today, and, and that was about as close to teaching as I can get. And... and, and I gave you that lesson today to understand the historical significance, the perfection of God's plan. And when he fulfilled Pentecost, he didn't do it by accident. It all came in the fullness of time. But I want you to understand that Pentecost, it doesn't have to be a Bible scholar thing. It can be a you and me thing. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, and again, the title of the sermon is, What is Pentecost? Well, the question is, what is Pentecost to me? Everybody say, what is Pentecost to me? Oh, come on, everybody say, what is Pentecost to me? I'm glad you ask. Let me answer first with what Pentecost is not. Can I go ahead and do that? Let me, let me, let me start by telling you what Pentecost is not. I'm going to get on some people today. Okay, so just tuck your toes. If it applies to you, then get your heart right. Pentecost is not a hairdo. Pentecost is not an updo. It's not hair to the heavens. It's not, it's not a comb over. I'm, I'm come to tell you, Pentecost is, not a, a, Pentecost is not a hairdo. Pentecost is not a long dress or a suit. Look at me. I can't even act dignified. I can't even tuck in my shirt. Pentecost has nothing to do with if you've got a, a, a suit jacket on or, 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 or you wear a pair of jeans. It, Pentecost has nothing to do with that. Listen, I, I'm going to get somewhere with this. Pentecost is not an outward appearance thing at all. But I do want to tell you that when you get touched by the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost comes into your life and all of a sudden His law is written on the tablets of your heart, then all of a sudden you want to dress a little better when you come into his presence you say I'm not going to come with with just the junky things of the world even though he said I can come as I am he accepts me for who I am but I want to please him so I've come to tell you but Pentecost is not a hairdo Pentecost is not an an outfit that you wear but Pentecost listen I'm going to go on just because I'm going to get myself in trouble there Pentecost is not a social club Pentecost Pentecost is not a status I got the Holy Ghost. Do you got the Holy Ghost? I think it's funny. I think it's funny, Brother Dave, that there's... I'd love to see the ratio, but in the world today, there are about, you know... uh, I'm going to make up statistics. There are about uh, 75% of people that think Pentecostals are crazy nuts. Okay? And then... So if you talk in tongues and you do all that craziness, there about 75% of the world thinks you are uh, uh, fruity. And, and then 
of that 25% that's left, there are uh, a few people in that group that don't have the Holy Ghost, but they believe in it and they want it. But then there's this group among there that's completely the opposite, and they think Pentecost is somehow their their rite of passage or their 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 hierarchy. And if I speak in tongues more than you, they've got a very pharisaical way of being Pentecostal, and they think that if I talk in tongues more than you are, I act out more than you are, I'm more charismatic than you, then I'm more holy than you. And if I do this, I've come to tell you today, Pentecost is not a social club or a status. It's not a country thing, and it's not a city thing. Pentecost is not just for the poor and unlearned, and it isn't for the rich and learned. Pentecost is not just for the preacher or the praise team. Pentecost is not a circus or a sideshow. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe it's Facebook. I want you to know Pentecost is not a circus or a sideshow. Yes, there's going to be mockers and scoffers, but look what they did. They turned and said, what do I got to do to be saved? Because oh, let, uh, let me just stop right there. That, thank you, Holy Ghost. Because Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. And yes, there were mockers and scoffers. And I've come to tell you in 2019, if we would become the Pentecostal church that we were called to be, the world may look at, at us and laugh and scoff again. I feel like there are so-called Pentecostals in the world today who were not accepted by the world. And so they put their Holy Ghost in a back corner or a closet or a room or shunned it away because they didn't want to be politically incorrect or look wrong in the eyes of the world but I've come to tell you I know that there are a lot of gimmicks and there are a lot of falses for the Holy Ghost but if you get the real deal Holy Ghost they may laugh at you for just a moment but they will turn just like the men were outside on that day they were laughing and scoffing but he said listen it's it's nine o'clock in the morning we're not drunk this is the power of God and then all of a sudden because of his word and the power of the Holy Ghost in him they said you know what I'm convicted and pricked in my heart. What can I do to be saved? And the same people that laugh at us today, I wish the church would get a hold of real Pentecost because if we would, we may be laughed at for a moment, but the same people that would be laughing would soon be saying, what do I got to do to get what you got? Because I realize now that it's the real deal. It's not a circus or a sideshow. Boy, this one's going to go over like a lead balloon. I don't know why I wrote this in my notes, but I got to say it. Pentecost is not a for a good time call. God. Now that, that I know that. Listen, there, you, you act like, oh, you shouldn't say that. But so many of us walk in and we say, okay, God, here I am. I want my Pentecostal experience, but I'm getting ready. As soon as I leave the church, I'm going to go out. I'm going to be a Pentecostal inside, but I'm going to go out and I'm going to live like the world and act like the world and smell like the world and be like the world and, and live like the heathen. And I'm going to party on Saturday, come in on Sunday and get my good time with God. I, want, I, I just want the Holy Ghost for the doodads and the good feeling. Listen, that, it, that's not how it is. It's not babblings and nonsense, and it's by all means. I hope you hear me today, and this is the last one. It is not a denomination. Pentecost is not a denomination. Pentecost is not an affiliation. It's not a sect of people that classify themselves by something. Let me tell you now what Pentecost is. Anybody want to know what Pentecost is? 
Pentecost is the power of God. I, I, I don't even have time to just wait. I can't even wait. Because Pentecost in one word equals power. Pentecost is the power of God. All the power. Now I need you to understand when we say the power. I didn't say it is a power of God. Pentecost is not a power of God. It's not a little doodad of this. It's not a little pixie dust to pick you up when you're feeling down. It's not just a little dose will do you. It's not just a little dab. It is the power. Not a power of God, the power of God. Everybody say the power of God. And why is that so important? Because the same God who breathed the stars into the atmosphere, the same God that molded and shaped the earth, the same God that said it's not good for man to dwell alone, so he formed a woman in the image of man, the same God that breathed life, the same God that talked to Ezekiel and said, raise up an army and I'm going to breathe life into him. This life-breathing God, this powerful God, It is the power of God. Why? Because the scripture says, this is why the scripture says, the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you and me. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. Why, why is that so important? I need you to get this. I mean, stay here all, all morning. I need you to understand that it is not a power. You don't have a power from heaven. You don't have a little bit of enough to get you through your day. I wish somebody understood that when you tap into Pentecost, when you tap into the power of the Holy Ghost, you've got all the power of God. I, I, I don't think we understand the word the because it is, it is, it is, it is, it is it's describing everything. God is saying that the same power that I spoke the stars into existence with. The same power that I used to create all of creation, every beast of the field, every fowl of the air. The same power that I used at creation. The same power that I formed the angels with. The same power that that raised Christ from the dead. The power, not a power, lives in every single one of us. When we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, that means you have the power to look at a mountain and say, be thou removed from me. That means that you think you got enemies on this side. But I've come to tell you, if you get baptized enough in the Holy Ghost, your enemies are no enemies at all. Because he said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And any tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. It's the heritage of the saints and their righteousness is unto him. Why? Because of the power of God. Not a power of God. The power of God. Pentecost is the power it's the power to live right. It's the power to act right. It's the power to talk right. It's the power to walk right. It's the power to be right. It's the power. Listen, I'm going to tell somebody I need to mess your theology up. If you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, you've got the power to cast out devils. We talked about it Thursday night a while back. We, I said, listen, we want to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. But that was fourth down the list. We're missing the very first thing that he said, we'll know the disciples by. In my name, they will cast out devils. If they drink anything harmful, it will not hurt them. They will, they will tread upon serpents and they will not harm them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We want to get to number four without doing number one. But I've come to tell you that if you'll get the Holy Ghost down in your bones, that you will 
You'll have the power to cast out devils. You'll have the power to tread on serpents. You'll be protected from any harm. I'm telling you, you get enough of the Holy Ghost in you, sickness won't want to come your way. I've come to tell you that it, it'll be like a, something shunning away the evil things that want to come against you. It'll be the power to heal the sick. It's the power to raise the dead. It's the power to open blinded eyes. It's the power to open deaf ears. It's the power to preach the gospel. It's the power to pray in the language of heaven. Got to stop right there. Prayer in the language of heaven. One time a year, the day of atonement, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would give a sacrifice for the people of God and say, this is the atonement for their sin. And God, if he was pleased with the sacrifice, he, he, the priest would go in and, and through the lineage of the priesthood, the high priest would whisper into the next high priest ear and he would say the most holy name of God, which is something like Yahweh, but we don't, we, I, it, Missouri Hick doesn't say it right, but it's the, we, we don't even pronounce it right, but it's, it, but it's, 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 it's a four-letter word that, that is the, the name of the divine name of God, and it was so holy that the priest, the high priest would whisper it in the ear of the next high priest, and it was not to be used until they went into the Holy of Holies to make atonement. He would walk into that room, and he would whisper the, the name of God to God. It was a hello. It was a collect call. It was God, here I am with this, with this sacrifice. And I mentioned the name of God. And instantly he would be given the language of heaven and he would be able to communicate with God in the language of heaven. But I've come to tell you that when Jesus Christ was crucified on the tree and his blood hit the mercy seat, that the veil was rent from top to bottom and there is no more high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. We have the way to go in the Holy of Holies. And we call upon the name of the Lord And guess what else? When we get baptized in the Holy Ghost, He gives us the language of heaven. The language of heaven. You know, I I, I love this because we live in a world where, you know what scares people the most about Pentecost? Tongues. Tongues. Tongues is the scariest thing for anybody looking at Pentecost from the outside in. I don't want to speak in tongues. That's goofy. I don't want to speak in tongues. Sister Maggie, say something, say something in, in, in Spanish. Just anything. I don't have any idea what she said. Listen, I know every language actually except Greek. Say something else. Yeah, in, in Spanish. Do you know another language? Oh, okay, then speak. I know all of them except Greek. I, I know all of them except Greek. Say it again, I'm sorry. I didn't hear right. Yeah, that sounds like Greek to me. Uh, you get it? Listen, I don't know what there's. I don't know what there's. And 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 oftentimes we come into the Pentecostal church, and and I remember being a young man and coming in and saying, "Man, I don't want to talk like that." And it's one thing if we know it's if it's Spanish and we know that at least there's a, you know, there's a bunch of people somewhere else over the hillside that speak that language, and you know, and and so it's kind of uh, I don't know legitimate. But then we come in and, and we hear somebody going, you know, talking about a ride in my Honda or something. And then we're, you know, and, and, we, and we're, we're, we're all put off by it. We're all put off. Like, I don't want to talk that way. Every, 
you know, sister so-and-so, she'd get going over here and, and the bobby pins would come out of her hair. And the next thing you know, she's, she's babbling something. And, and I just don't want to act that way. I don't want to talk that way. But I've come to tell you that she's speaking the language of heaven. And it may not be Mexico, which is our bordering country, where it's familiar to us. It may be not a language that we understand on this side. It may not be a language that's even of this world. I've come to tell you it's not a language of this world. But that does not, that does not relegate the fact that it is still very very much a language it is another language that's from a different place and it's another language that transcends this universe and goes in to the other universe where God is it is the language of heaven and I've come to tell you if you would just get bold enough to say I may not be speaking English I may not be speaking a language that you understand I don't care if you can understand my tongues or not I don't care if anybody in the room can interpret my tongues or not all I know is God gave me this tongue and I can speak with with him and I have a clear line of communication and so you go ahead and laugh and scoff and you can even be you can even question it if you want but I've come to tell you that tongues is as valid of a language as as Spanish is as French as German it's more valid than any of them because it's God's language don't be ashamed of the of tongues don't be ashamed of tongues God hears your prayer God said, God says that our, we don't even know what to pray sometimes. And so the Spirit makes intercession for us with groans not utterable by words. Uh, not able to be spoken in the human language. No matter what language you speak on this side, it's not good enough. But God has a language that will get your petition made known. It's the power to speak in tongues. It's the power to be a witness. The Holy Ghost, Pentecost, is the power to be a witness. He said, I will make you witnesses of me all throughout all the world. It's the power to give you the right words to say at the right time. Many of you have been put in a position where you haven't had the right words at the right time. And you're wondering, man, I wish I could have ministered in that moment. I wish I could have helped them. I know God wanted to do something, but I didn't have the right words to speak. I didn't know what to say. I've come to tell you the Holy Ghost is the right word at the right time. The power of the Holy Ghost is the power to be comforted in our hard times. It's the power to be jubilant in our triumphs. It's the power to praise even when we don't feel like it. It's the power to speak to the mountain. It's the the power to bind and loose on this earth. Whatsoever things we bind shall be bound in the heavens and whatsoever things we loose shall be loosed in the heavens by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's the power to get God's ear and attention. It's the power to see miracles, signs, and wonders and I've come to tell you this morning the power of Pentecost is the power to be the church today. The power of Pentecost is the power to be the church. It was the power that started the church. It's the reason we celebrate the beginning of the church. It's the first fruits of God, but it's the continual fruits of God. If the power of God started the church 2,000 years ago, then the power of God sustained the church through to this time. Then I've come to tell you that the power power of God will continue to carry the church into the future. Why is this so important? There are people that are saying that Pentecost is dying. I have been even guilty of worrying and being fearful that Pentecost will die. Matter of fact, I want to just go ahead and say this. I'm going to go on record. I don't know if they're recording me or not. I'm going to probably get myself in trouble, but I want to tell you if Pentecost dies in the world today, then religion will die in the world today. I don't care how you feel about it. 
it. You can complain to me later. I just want to, I just feel the unction of the Holy Ghost to say that if the power of the Holy Ghost dies in America, then the church will die in America. I don't care if it's Lutheran, Presbyterian, Methodist, Baptist. I don't care what the affiliation is. If there's no power, there's no church. And God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why? Because at Pentecost, he began the church and with Pentecost, he sustains the church. I used to worry about the church coming to its death and the, the, the Pentecostal movement dying because people were scared of it or embarrassed of it or it wasn't politically correct. But I've come to tell you that there will always be a Pentecostal church until the trumpet of God sounds, until God decides to withdraw His Holy Spirit from this earth. There will be a Pentecostal church. There will be somebody. You say, well, Paul, Pentecost started at Azusa Street. No, 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 let me correct you. There will be four Azusa Street. There was there was people over in England. There was a man that was moved on by the by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, I don't know if he spoke in tongues or not. I, I, let's just say he didn't. But I want to tell you, there was a man that, that was moved on by the power of the Holy Ghost, and he said, "The church is doing it wrong. The Spirit of God is speaking to me, and I'm going to nail this to the church post, and I'm going to change this movement, and we're going to pull away from this great church that they think they are." And this man named Martin Luther nailed his thesis up on the, church, on the post of the church and because he was moved on by the Holy Spirit and on down through the list you could go down through and the, the, the John Knoxes and all the way down through the list and you get to John Wesley and, and you know I like John Wesley and he, he was responsible for saving 25% of the country of England all by himself why? because the Holy Spirit was moving upon him and then in America there was a man named Charles Finney and if you go and read Charles Finney's diary it would say they would tell you in his diary this was before Azusa Street before the modern Pentecostal movement of America that, that in Charles Finney's diary he said something moved upon me it was like the waves of heaven that were coming upon me and I could not speak the words of earth because the words of heaven were flowing upon me and out of me this was Charles Finney long before Azusa Street ever happened and then and then Azusa Street came and and the wild fire begin to flow of the Holy Ghost. I've come to tell you Pentecost is not dying. I want, I want moms, grandmas, listen, I want you to understand that just as, I, I love what Paul said to Timothy. He said, stir up the gift that's inside of you. I know it's in you because I saw it first in your mother Lois. Then I saw it in your grandmother Eunice. And I am persuaded that now it is in you. Stir up the gift that's in you. Why? I want to let moms and grandmas know. I want to let dads and grandpas know that you can leave this earth. If God tarries and you leave this earth, you need to understand Pentecost will not die because God God will sustain his church by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's the power to sustain the church. I don't know about you, but I need the power of God. I can celebrate the birth date of the church. You know, really, that's what Pentecost is. You can come to the piano. That's what Pentecost is. It's the celebration of the birth date of the church. Everybody look around and say, Happy birthday. At Pentecost, the church was born. He said, don't do anything. You know, Peter got messed up. We talked about that last week. Peter thought he should start appointing new disciples and everything. And God just said, wait. Don't go do anything. Wait. Wait till I give you the power to do what you're going to do. 
You see, Peter, Peter was strong enough to get in a little circle of people, find out he had a little bit of influence, and then do things out of his own might. But God said, no, wait till my power gets on you, and then you can go out and preach to the masses. Then they'll all come in. 3,000 added on the birthday of the church. 3,000. I can celebrate the birthday of the church. I can celebrate I can celebrate the heritage and the history. I can celebrate the fact that God made Pentecost by perfection. He didn't just say, you know what? I think we're going to send the Holy Ghost on this festival. Seems like a good idea. No, before it ever went down, he had a plan. That's why Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth. Before the earth was founded, Jesus was the plan of salvation. I want to tell you, before the earth was ever founded, God knew he would pour out the Holy Ghost on Pentecost. And I want to tell you this, that he knew in 2019 there would be churches all around that would be celebrating the day that the Holy Ghost came into the church. So here, here, here's, my, here's my plea to you this morning. Y'all know I'm a Pentecostal. When I get up behind the pulpit, I, I will say this. When I get up behind the pulpit, I praise God for this. There are times when I just want to babble in tongues. I just want to speak in tongues all the way up. But God, it, it, through, his, through his power and his anointing, allows me to continue speaking. You guys hear me stumble for words. Sometimes I just want to break out in the Holy Ghost. God allows me to speak intelligible words like Paul teaches. When we, when we bring forth the word and the gospel, I want, to, I want to speak in a language that everybody in the room can understand. But I also want to tell you that I want to bend my knees and speak in tongues and let the language of heaven just ooze out of me and let God know the petitions of my spirit and let the spirit begin to have intercession for me. I don't know about you, but I want to be a Pentecostal church. Not a Pentecostal denomination church. Not a church of God denominational church. But a church that operates in the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Spirit manifest on this earth. The same power that was 2,000 years ago is today. Stand to your feet with me in the house of the Lord. I can celebrate the birthday. I can celebrate the heritage and the history. But I'd rather celebrate the fact that I can live it right now. That the same gift that was given back then is the gift that keeps on giving. The Holy Ghost is the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He sent it for you and for me. Don't let anybody tell you that Pentecost is dying or dead. Don't let anybody tell you that, that where the scripture says tongues they shall cease. That is such a twisted perversion of, of, the, of the scripture. And I'll sit down with anybody and talk about it that wants to. Pentecost is alive and well. He said it's for your sons and your sons' sons and for all that we'll hear for generations and for every land and every country, as many as who would receive. I don't know about you, but I want to be Pentecostal. I want to, I want to be filled with the power of the living God. The power. I got to go back to the beginning. Not a power. Some of us have been walking around with a little Holy Ghost. And some of us think, I got this size Holy Ghost and you got that size Holy Ghost. And, and, and he's got this size Holy Ghost. And you think the preacher's got a big Holy Ghost. But I've come to tell you, we all got the Holy Ghost. 
He's the third part of the Godhead. He's an actual, he's an embodiment of God. He's not just a, he's not just a messenger. He's not just some vapor of wind somewhere. He is the third part of the Trinity. He is a person, the person of the Holy Ghost. And, he, and you have him, and I have him. And, and if you don't have him, you can have him in it. And you can have the Holy Ghost, the absolute power of God in this earth. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. It's Pentecost Sunday.